I want to talk more about your personality assessment. I want to know, first of all, what led you to take it? Did you have to do it for work? Yes. Uh, it, it was it was asked of us to do for work for some type of, of training, leadership training that we're getting. And um, so I took it. And uh, the first time I think I've ever taken it, I think we talked about this before. I had not, I've done more of, uh, I'd done another type uh, a number of years ago, some strength finders. But yeah, um, took it and uh, all 140 or something questions of it. And, um, and I feel like it came out exactly as I expected it to come out. You know, there weren't really any, any surprises. I graded out as, as INFP, uh, which kind of comes out to being this thoughtful idealist, which I feel like fits, right? I mean, like, yeah, a decent term to describe me. I think I was not surprised by the I, by the introvert. I think I was surprised that you were only one letter different than mine. Because I am INFJ, and on the at least on the 16 personalities assessment, which is kind of a more uh, visually appealing version of the Myers Briggs assessment, we're right next to each other. And I, of you know, knowing that there are 16 different personalities or types, I would not have thought that we would have even been in the same row. Why do you say that? We do a podcast together. I mean, clearly we have shared interests. Yeah, but shared interests are different than personality types. I don't know. I, I don't feel like our personalities are as similar as our assessments say that they are. And I didn't are you breaking up with me. Is that? What is that? Is this? <laughs> we're is this too it? different. <laughs> is this it? Is this how you? This is how we're ending it. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Steve, and this is a podcast for creators. Two friends talking about the complex, messy, and beautiful experience that is being a creative. You know how how important these personality tests are to me. Yeah, I know. I mean, next, I'm going to make you take the the Enneagram, although I've already assigned you one in my head, and I'll be shocked if it's if it's different than what I'm what I think that you are. That's judging, and judging is wrong. Although evidently, I have the fits. J in mine. That's where the judgment comes from. Yeah. But I was looking at your type and I didn't read through the entire assessment, but well, first of all, on the 16 personalities, I think it's funny that your animated character is this very whimsical looking young lady and mine is an old dude with a gray beard (laughs) but um thought they'd be reversed right (laughs) yeah something like that the strengths for you all made sense it's thoughtful generous open-minded creative passionate loyal to their values that last one i feel like is the one that seems the most in line with what i know of you Mm -hmm. The weaknesses to me didn't sound like you, which are overly idealistic. I feel like maybe I'm just thinking in comparison to me, like between the two of us, I feel like I'm the one who's more overly idealistic. Self-critical, you may be internally, but I don't feel like you show that outwardly. 
impractical. I don't feel like that's true. I feel like if anything, you're overly practical, at least in our relationship. Emotionally driven. I know that emotions like play into your decisions, but I don't think that that's a weakness. I think that that's a strength for you. I also don't think that you are conflict averse. And the last one, it says as a weakness, is difficult to get to know. This this I can see. Um, and I think that this, I relate to this a little bit. Not difficult to get to know in the sense that we're snobby, but kind of more reserved until you can kind of like break through that barrier. And then at that point, you kind of like become a, a best friend. So that yeah, is my assessment of you. That's, I think that's reasonable. <laughs> I like there's a lot of questions on there that we're asking about, um, you know, like when you go to a party, are you more apt to like hang out with, you know, the large group and mingle or are you more likely to sit and, you know, stand in the corner and talk to one person or something like that? Now, clearly I would be the kind of person who would stand in the corner and talk to one person. But it's interesting that, I mean, like the, the honest answer is, is I wouldn't go to the party. Yeah. Like, like, and, and like, and I think that's the, that's the thing about this survey is like, you know, you're, 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 you're generalizing two types of, of, uh, you're either this or you're that. And it's like, well, no, really, I think for every one of these things, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Like, I think there are some elements where people are like to the nth degree. And then I think in some areas they're maybe to the nth degree on the other side, but more or less, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're kind of in the middle of them. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, the, the reflection is like, and it's also different in other areas of your life. Like, you know, I look at this from a position of like leadership management, that's how I took the, the survey. Um, I think if I were taking it as like the host of a podcast, um, <laughs> you know, it, it might be, it might be different. Um, and I, and I think things change circumstances, you know, with where you work and how things are, are playing out and transpiring day to day, you know, your, your approach to maybe how you did things is different now than it might've been, you know, two, three years ago. And, I think it's sometimes it could be circumstantial that leads you to, to, to give an answer in a certain way, reflective of, of what you're, you know, currently doing. So, um, you know, generally I didn't disagree with really anything that was in there. I didn't look at it and say like, Oh geez, I think most everything in there is, is, is fairly on the nose. Every time I take this test and I probably take it once a year ish, unless, I mean, maybe I'll take it again. Although like every time I take it, I get the exact same results. The only thing that I have seen change is what percentage of introvert I am and it keeps increasing. But I suspect that is just because I have really come to own that as a quality about myself. So maybe I'm just leaning more into it and I recognize those questions when they're coming and say like, oh, I should definitely pick the introvert one because I know that I'm an introvert at this point. Yeah. I, I, I also wonder about how, you know, these things are supposed to play themselves out because like, you know, now on paper, I suppose you see what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. But if you're the kind of person like me who is always kind of just, I really am more concerned about my strengths and not necessarily my weaknesses because I feel like I can accomplish much more moving forward on my strengths and really trying to analyze 
where I'm weak and how I can be getting like it's it seems like it's more effort to up myself in a certain area where no, I think I can accomplish what I want to accomplish by doubling down on what I'm good at. It's like now that you have this information, to me it's like now what? You know, what what so so what? You know, I mean if there's if 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 there's supposed to be something tangible coming out of this where you can work on it if that's what you want, fine. But I think philosophically you get to a certain point for me at least, I get to a certain point where you go I think I'd rather just kind of zero in on what I know I'm good at because it's gotten me this far. And and it doesn't mean that there isn't room to grow, but clearly something's clicking, something's working. You know, that's 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 got to be a big a big part of that. As much as I love these assessments, I often think about how there is a negative side to it. Kind of going back to what you said about you know, you answered these questions from the perspective of a biz, a professional, but you may have answered them differently if you were thinking about yourself in your personal life. And I think that sometimes we get the results of these tests and we can identify with them so much and maybe even start to lose other parts of ourselves or it somehow puts us in a box when, you know, they're saying there are these 16 different types and the the Enneagram says that there's nine different types, but we are all different shades of in really in between these types, in between these types, like none of us are exactly the same, uh, which is beautiful. But I think part of the reason why I'm so obsessed with hearing other people's more than studying my own is going back to the strengths finder and that the individualization strength is my greatest strength. And it essentially says that like, you're the person who wants to know everyone's personalities. Like I'm just naturally fascinated by that. And I probably talked about this sometime in the past year. It came in really handy writing because I realized how much I love developing characters. And I think that I just do it in real life. I think that every person in my life, I try to kind of make a character in my mind. Sorry, I don't know if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing for the people that I'm close with. No, I I, I mean, but I, I, I think there's, you know, you said you you seem like you stop and like not regularly, but like you're aware of of your strengths and you're aware of where you fall kind of on these on these maps and you might be more conscious of you know when you're doing something writing taking an action that well this is where i'm supposed this is how i'm supposed to, i'm supposed to be enjoying this because this is what it said that i am and like i wonder if there's a segment of, of people because i feel like i would belong in it that they just are what they are. Like there's no, there's no stopping to be like, well, I really do like working with a team or, well, you know, I, I really am a little bit opposed to this. So this is why I don't want to, I don't know if I've ever stopped to just think or stop to be like aware. And even now that I know these things, it's almost kind of just like, yeah, that's, that's what I am. Like, that's, that's it. <laughs> 143 questions. That's it. Like, that's me. You know, I, I don't, I don't know if it's anything where there's like any grand, like, realization or something that I'm going to knowingly start to walk forward with with this. I mean, I suppose like knowing other people's like maybe that helps you in some kind of like communication or some kind of situation. But, um, you know, I don't I don't know if I've ever stopped to consciously approach it that way. Like, 
this is this is how I am. You know, you, it's just kind of like breathing, walking. Like you just you don't stop and think. You just you just do. You're making a great case for what I think your Enneagram number is, because it's the number that does not want to be put in a box and to be told what they are. <laughs> right. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I it, it's not trying to be defiant. I, you know, I think sometimes I can get I can get labeled as like, you know, you know, he uh, I go against the grain because I go against the grain. And it's like, no, it's it's really not doing that. Like I will go with something if I see the validity in, in doing it. Um, and that goes in anything, not just talking about work. Like, you know, if, if, if we're going, if we're going across town to go pick up something and that's the only place we can get it, it's not something we can get up. Uh, fine. I will go for it because I see the validity in doing that. But more often than not, it's just kind of like, I'm very accepting of what I am and who I am. There are times along the way that you kind of lose that. I think we all do, um, you know, where you're confronted with, you know, some moment where, you know, it, it, you, you, you have to kind of like remind yourself, nope, I, I'm, this is how I feel about this. Like I, this is, I know I'm going to be upset if I, if I go down this path or I know this is going to lead. but I feel like the more you're involved in those situations in life, the older you get, the more experience you get, the more natural it becomes. You don't stop to process it. You just kind of execute after a while. Yeah. I will say that the biggest benefit for me in taking these assessments is becoming more comfortable with myself because taking taking the Myers-Briggs which was like the first one that I took and learning that I was an introvert I I know that I talk about this so much but it really was a turning point for me like in my personal life because all of a sudden I had this like scientific explanation for something that I had always perceived to be a weakness and something that I thought was wrong with me. I was always feeling tired. I felt like antisocial because I didn't like going to parties or being around a, like large groups of people. And similar to what we were to, what you mentioned in the beginning, if I if I go to a party and I do like going to parties, I want to sit in the corner and have a conversation, a deep conversation with one or two people. I don't want to be like out in the middle of the crowd. I get really overwhelmed by that. And my whole, you know, life and into my adulthood, because I really only came to understand what introversion was within the last five years. And it was a game changer because all of a sudden there are people saying, no, there's there's nothing wrong with you. You're not a weak person. You don't need to change. That was the biggest thing is that I had been going through life feeling like I needed to somehow adjust to be like everyone else. And then that kind of opened up the floodgates for me to realize that like I wasn't the only person that was feeling this way, that there's statistically they say 50% of people who also feel introverted. So yeah, I'm just, I'm grateful that (laughs) <laughs> that I took this assessment and that I came to understand that. I think, you know, the only lately within the last few years, do I feel like this, this message of acceptance of who you are is enough has really started to kind of be put out there. And it might be because it's in the framework of mental health. You know, there's been a lot of, 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 you know, blogs and content and, and, and materials surrounding good mental health, you know, over the last five, 10 years. 
But, you know, I think back to, you know, in the 90s, like that seemed like it was like it was the self-help book era. And, you know, anytime you felt like you were struggling in an area well, there was a book to help you in that area and, and maybe not that not that you're meant to struggle, but maybe it's OK that you're not strong in that area. Maybe that's not a weakness. You know, we, 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 we only have strengths and weaknesses because we break them down into two categories, one or the other. But again, I think the truth really lies in the middle that a weakness perceived can really be a strength because it could be something that, you know, if, if you're someone who's easily susceptible to, you know, if you get your back up easily, you know, on, on paper, a weakness might be confrontational, but if you're able to diffuse and <laughs> recognize that, you know, I don't have to do this. I can turn this into a strength or I can turn this into, I'm not going to get myself engaged in this. It's, it, it's, it's a fight that never happens. It's, it's a problem that never occurs. Um, I think, you know, we've, we've done a good job as a society of late, I think, in trying to reinforce what you bring to the table is enough and and I think we've gotten away some from overly dissecting people um, and getting away from that judging and getting away from that feeling of being judged. Um, some of us and, have. I still have the J. Well, but I don't. <laughs> but you know, like, but I don't know if judging, in the sense of like what it, what the definition of is, like what we might define as like judging you know what i'm saying like you know we have our laughs and things like that but it's not necessarily like being overly critical of a person or or their shortcomings weaknesses what have you um i i, I think that's a good thing that we're kind of in at that point and that maybe people are starting to recognize that that for the sake of their sanity that you know not ha you know being okay with what you are if you're not someone who <laughs> you know talks to people at parties, if you're not someone who's incredibly social, that that's not something that's going to necessarily be a strike against you, that you can use that as something that makes you who you are. And I think that it's one of the positive things that have come out of the internet and social media, because if I had learned about introversion 10, 15 years ago, I may not have had a space where I could have these conversations and connect with people in the way that I have been able to online. I feel like there are so many people in my community who not only identify as introverts, but despite the fact that 16 personalities claims that my classification is, is the most rare. I feel like every other conversation I have with a new person that I connect with online is the same as my as my INFJ. So it's funny how we can so easily like find each other in that way. And that's one of the things I'm grateful for when it comes to social. When you gave me my ride home freshman year in college, <laughs> did you know off the bat that I was like you? Um <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of a hesitation that concerned. I don't me. feel like I really had a lot to go on. And also, I wasn't as in tune to my individualization strength at that point. Maybe I didn't even have it yet. 
I'm a little bit concerned how much you hesitated on that answer. <laughs> I felt like I felt like we had a good car ride and we connected, but okay. We did, but well, you said when when the ride first started. I mean, how how would I know that off the bat? I'm not that intuitive. Well, we never got the return trip to find out if <laughs> if it really was a thing because you left me on the well, side of the road. Clearly, I didn't think it went that well. Otherwise, I would have made an effort to make sure that you got back safely. I had to hitchhike my entire <laughs> way back up to Albany with the stick and the knapsack over my shoulder as I walked up 87. That's exactly how I pictured it. With yeah. the walls of snow, I'm sure, even though yeah. it wasn't winter. Cold. had my, my back turned towards the wind as I was walking. So we started something new. I'm usually going to you with ideas. So I think I was so excited that I barely listened to what you said and I was like, you know what? Sure, let's do it. Could have said anything right there at that point in time, couldn't I? Michelle and I grew up in the 90s, and we've noticed, I think, over the years that a lot of the uh, references that we end up dropping in our podcast end up coming from that period in our childhood. We were a TV generation, so we remember a lot of these offbeat commercials and a lot of these things that um, were a part of our childhood, and I thought it would be fun to kind of like look back at them. We don't really watch commercials anymore in, in this day and age. You know, ads are usually something that we're doing anything that we could possibly do to skip over. Funny commercials or, or commercials with memorable jingles have stayed with us over the years. Uh, and this platform, this this commercial breakdown show gave us the opportunity to bring some of them back and, you know, relive a few of these moments with, with all of you and, you know, reflect fondly on them. So if you get a chance, go into one of our pod for creative social profiles or go to our website and look for commercial breakdown which is the name of our show i time this it takes literally four seconds of your time subscribe to our youtube channel and hit that thumbs up button if you have a friend or a sibling or someone um, that you remember talking to about the commercials that that we're showcasing Certainly anywhere where you can share it, we would really appreciate it. Before you told me that you took the Myers-Briggs assessment, I was ready to come here to ask you a similar question having to do with personalities and in ways that we are similar and different. And I was wondering if you consider yourself to be a patient person. Uh, I think I've, it's a good question. I think more so now than I was a few years ago. Um, I think a lot, you know, having a baby, having a kid really changes like how quickly you want to get upset about something because you can't, because it just makes the problem worse. And I've realized that in life situations with adults play out exactly like they do with toddlers. There's no difference. <laughs> Something happens and it, and, and it's, and it's, and it makes you upset and you react from a point of frustration. It only, uh, aims to throw gas on the fire because then you got to walk back the escalation before you can actually address the problem. So I've learned a lot as a dad that, you know, raising my voice or correcting in a, in a, more of an animated way does not get me anywhere. And it's a much more like, okay, let's, 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 let's stop this for a second. Let's, you know, let's walk through this. So I think, 
I have become more patient since I've become a dad. And I think it's starting to very much spill into the rest of my life. So when I was thinking about whether or not I thought that you were patient, my initial thought was that you're not like the bird's eye view, the character of you, I would not classify as a patient person, Mm -hmm. but you as my friend and in all of my personal experience with you and professional, if you call this podcast professional, we have microphones. That's really <laughs> professional. It's like the baseline. Yeah. Like, so all of my personal evidence is that you're extremely patient. I, I can't, I could not recall a time where I ever felt like you lost your cool or that you were impatient with me or that I felt rushed in any way. In fact, I always, go back to and recall something that you said on our very first recording. And I wonder if we still, if we have like this recorded somewhere, but we were both nervous, obviously, because new project. And you were just so reassuring. And you said, you know what? Like, this is going to be awkward at first. It's probably going to suck, but we'll figure it out and we'll get through it. And that's something that I always go back to anytime I start something new. So I don't know if that makes you a patient person, but that is something that I always remember. I think that is, I think that's reflected in the Myers-Briggs survey though, because there were, you know, a a series of questions that came through that really kind of get, kind of got at like, are you more sentimental or are you more practical or are you, you know, and I definitely felt like I was on more of the sentimental side because again, you're thinking of it in terms of like what I do for a living and what I do for a living is it's more direct leadership opportunities and coaching and growing people in public relations skill sets to help make them as, as, as good as they can be. Um, so that, answer that I or that thing that I said before our first episode, I think is exactly how I talk to people who I manage. There's a lot of like, you know, you got this, like, we're going to be great. Like, you're going to be awesome. Like, this is going to be okay. And you know what, if it sucks, don't worry, you're going to be the only one who knows about it. Like, we're going to, you know, there's a lot of that, that, that talk, I think from a personal position, sometimes like, is there a difference between being patient and knowing what you want? Like, are those two things like the antithesis of each other? I think those are two different things. Because knowing what you want is just having very firm convictions. And being impatient means you're not willing to wait or you're going to get frustrated if you need to wait in order for those things to materialize. I think uh, that's that's probably the area where I feel like I've done the most growing in the short over the last few years, maybe over the last year, and maybe in earnest in the last like ten months. <laughs> but because I've had to, um, we all have had to. The uh, I think that's the that's that's the area of growth. Um, you know, early in my career, you know, I, I felt like I was on this. I felt like no one put me there. I felt like I was on this trajectory and, you know, 
what I wanted to do, what I wanted to be known for, where I wanted to go, how I wanted to be seen, all of these things factored into, I think, how I made myself up. And when you set out to accomplish something or you knew this is, this is where we need to be going and the ship didn't go that way or, 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 or the ball veered off the lane and, and into the, into the gutter, there was this like, come on, you know, re reaction of just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is not this complicated. We can, we really need to be focusing our resources and efforts here. And I think the, the growth part of this for me, and I'm curious if, if you've had something similar in your transition from working for an employer to working for yourself, or if you've always been like this, but the growth part for me has been, you know, realizing that a step back or a step to the side or, you know, any type of impediment doesn't necessarily equate to you're not going to get there. Um, it's one of those, okay, let's, let's, let's deal with this and then let's try to get this train back on track and it might take a little bit, but we'll get there. I think that's where my change of mind has, has really kind of grown over the last, you know, year or so. So do you think that I'm a patient person? You know, I think, I think you're a patient person. I think you're an impatient person, but, but you, about the things that you are really driven about, but not to the point of like, that it's going to be harmful to your health or harmful to other people coming around you. I think it's more of an internal drive. So I think you've, I think you've had this ability to channel the emotion of accomplishing what you set out to do. And even when you have a, a setback or, or a delay in the process or whatever it is, as much as that might frustrate you, I don't think it necessarily derails you. I think you've had a, a I think you have a healthy attitude when it comes to situations that might cause you to become impatient. Thank you. But <laughs> no, and I, and I, and that, that's Very a, welcome. A, I would agree with your assessment <laughs> because I think in the same way that I, from a bird's eye view would say that you're an impatient person before I actually thought about it. I think from a bird's eye view, most people would think that I am a patient person, but I think that I personally identify more with being impatient. Some of it learn behavior. Some of it, I think you nailed it, just comes from that drive and passion for certain things that I want so badly and I'm so excited about that I just want to get there as soon as possible. Even though I also, I can appreciate a good journey, but even on the journey, if there are days where nothing is happening, <laughs> which is a journey that I'm on right now, it's very frustrating for me to not be proactive, to not be physically taking action toward my goal. In our last episode, I shared how I had just gotten the last of my queries out to potential literary agents. But something I don't think that I mentioned is that the average amount of time that it takes before you hear back anything, a yes or a no, or a request for the full manuscript, since most of them only request you know, the first couple chapters, 
on average is six to eight weeks. Mm. So I am now two weeks into this Oof. process and I have never checked my email so much in my life. And I'm typically a person who doesn't like is notorious for not checking my email. Like I can go a couple days and not check it unless I know that something important is about to come in. And now I'm checking it on my phone. I don't, I still don't have the, the alerts set up, but checking my spam folder and I just want to do something to help my chances and to get a, a quicker answer. But this is one of those situations where the best thing that I can do is nothing and mm. it sucks. <laughs> but that impatient feeling, even though you're, you know, displaying, I think loads of patience, but that impatient feeling is, is a natural outcome to your 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 sort of like your drive like your belief system your values what you you know like it's almost like you've done everything you're supposed to do if you're looking at it in the Myers-Briggs you know um, umbrella like you've done everything you're supposed to do and if you probably go through the parallel of where that matches up within your strengths like it's probably spot on but here we are at this point where you need to kind of wait for something and it's like and it's pulling out some of that impatience in you that doesn't necessarily flow naturally for you I think that ultimately this will end up being a good thing but I think it has also been good for me to realize that I'm not patient and that it even if it's for good reasons is still a weakness and I need to find healthy things to do with my time <laughs> for other situations like this because if I want to do everything that I've dreamed up involving this book, which big dreams would be for it to eventually be turned into a TV series. Mm. I mean, that's just another waiting game. I, I mean, I know that there are situations where things magically happen really fast, but those are very rare. And so much of publishing, whether it's this book or, or another book or a TV series or a movie or, or whatever it is, those industries are just take a notoriously long time for things to be produced. I was just listening to The Watch podcast, one of my favorite podcasts, where they talk about television and they had mentioned the film The Little Things, which was just released on HBO Max. And they said that it was written 10 years ago and it just came out. I mean, yeah. I've, I'm waiting for two weeks and can't stand it. I, I can't even imagine after 10 years, I feel like I would have just checked out by that point. Yeah. But I, you know, you're so right. But I was thinking when you were talking about how we we're, we're in this instant gratification world that, if we ever stop, and this is so common, but if we ever stop and look back to what who we were and what we what and how we were ten years ago, and then look at where we are now, what we know, how how we how we think, how we process, the maturity level that that we've shown, um, that's that's really I think the 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 testament to who we are as 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 people as professionals. It's 
how open-minded are you to to stay on that path and understand that you know the journey is really the ultimate outcome you know is is to really just stay on that road and continue to to learn and grow and get better i'm doing um tomorrow night um or tomorrow tomorrow afternoon i'm doing this this branding presentation it's brand new i wrote it uh i'm i'm like excited i'm also a bit nervous um and i'm a bit nervous because over the last you know i would say over the last two three months i've really sort of dived into the concept of branding for what it actually is not for what we say it is the words we throw around that kind of mean branding but really don't but what it really means and along the way i found myself feeling like i'm smarter the books that i've read the blogs that i've read the 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 the, the industry leaders that i've kind of hitched my wagon to to get more equipped with this this area of my of my field that I feel like is something that I need to kind of be in. I found myself getting smarter. And at the same time, there was this moment of like, you really had no idea what you were talking about. <laughs> and and it felt great to say that, if that makes any sense. And it wasn't one of those like, oh, man, I was a fraud. Like, I knew what I knew based on what I what I knew. Like it's that old journalism thing, know what you know, know what you don't know and know what you think you know. And like you know, I was kind of like equal footing in all buckets, but now it's like you know, you've 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 made this investment to really understand it and not just surface level and not just, you know, what what something on Mashable once said years, you know, like it's really what it is. And that's a growth piece of in, in my life that, you know, I'm proud of because it shows the continuity that you want to apply to your craft and, and, and to who you are as, as, as a person. I think that this also applies to the podcast. Recently, we've seen an uptick in new listeners Hi, if you're one of those new people, we're really glad that you're here and hope that you're enjoying these conversations. But it had me thinking about the show The Office and the book that I read earlier this year, which is a deep dive on behind the scenes, all things The Office. And I'll need to locate the page because I think I shared it on social media over the summer, so I'm sure I have it saved in my camera roll somewhere. But it talked about how in those first two seasons of the show, it felt like a very shoddy production, at least from the perspective of the person who was writing this. And we think of John Krasinski and Jenna Fisher and Steve Carell as these mega stars. But we forget that when The Office started, I mean, maybe not Steve Carell, he was somebody, but... Jenna Fisher and, and John Krasinski and really everyone on that show were unknown and they weren't in these glitzy actor trailers in between shooting like they, you know, they were driving in their crappy cars to this set that was in the middle of nowhere and it didn't, they all make it sound like it, it didn't even really feel super professional. It felt very like thrown together and they weren't sure if it was going to 
hit. And it really wasn't until the third season that things really started to take a turn and started to pick up and they started to get interest. And I would make the argument that The Office hit a new wave of popularity after it went on Netflix, after it was off the air. So I loved that we are now coming into our third year. We don't really do seasons of our podcast, but it made me feel like we were in good company. And maybe this is, you know, maybe we won't become Jenna Fisher and John Krasinski, but maybe this is just the start of the snowball. Yeah, it's an exciting feeling. And that's what I feel like is that's what drives you. It's just it's wanting to get better at something like I laughed before when you said I don't know if you remember, but in our first episode, you said and I wanted to interject and be like, I don't know how you heard it because <laughs> like, like, I don't even know if our mics are plugged in for that episode. It's the audio was so poor. Um, but it does, it shows the, it, it shows the commitment to first of all, to each other. And then it shows the commitment to the craft and, and it shows the commitment to the conversations and the original, you know, belief of, of, I think ultimately what we want people to feel about this, which is these are people who get what we do for a living and, and, and we want to be a part of those discussions. I think that's always been the driving force. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at Pod4Creatives and let us know what stood out to you. Sidebar, we really should do some some kind of like video piece of content on on what is in your camera roll. Because there are <laughs> no. some very, very unique references of photos that are saved in there. You just happened to send me a, a, a snap, a screenshot oh of it the other day for one for one specific photo. But there were some other ones in there that I was like, I'm kind of more interested about what that one was. So maybe we'll do something on that. Hey, I read my Google search history on one of these episodes. You can at least give me a oh. screenshot of, of your camera roll. We'll need to throw that explicit warning up. I mean, just based on the one that I sent you today. But what's so funny is... I don't know if you use your phone in the same way, like use the same kind of swipes that I do, but anytime I have a screenshot and then I go to like push my thumb up, it kind of gives you the people who your phone thinks that you're about to send it to. And you are always my first circle. So I think that you must get like most of the screenshots that are on my phone. That's fair. But I feel like it's also like a it's also a game because there are moments in like texts that we have back and forth where like there's an opportunity for one of us to send like a screenshot of something from from Seinfeld or The Office that we know the other person is likely thinking of in that moment. You want to talk about impatience. Like that's one of those moments where you can't find the right thing or it doesn't crop the right way or whatever it is (laughs) like and you get it in right under the wire. You talk about impatience. man. Yeah. That's always a good feeling because you always beat me. So whenever I do, it's like, it's a big victory. Years of practice. I've gotten gift searches down to like the exact thing that I need to get every time. I don't even have to scroll anymore. It's usually like the first one that pops up. So. Well, now I do my homework. If, if I know going into the conversation that I'm going to want to reference it, I'll do the search ahead of time and then like have it saved. So it's like ready to nice. go. Nice. That's a vet move right there. That is a vet <laughs> move right there on that on that journey of 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 gift searches to make you a better gift professional yes